Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. Introducing the Shark Effect Podcast, your ultimate guide to leveraging your influence as an elite athlete for a life of impact. I'm Alex Moulton, your host, and on this show, we'll equip you with the strategies to thrive beyond your sporting career. Whether you're seeking a solid plan post-sport or feeling stuck in a transition, this is your go-to resource. Take the first step towards success by scheduling a complimentary 15-minute call with your boy. Together, we'll explore how I can assist you in discovering a powerful framework. And if I can't provide the perfect solution, rest assured, I'll direct you towards the right path. Don't miss out on this opportunity to unlock your full potential. Make sure to schedule a 15-minute phone call with me today. Join us on the Shark Effect podcast, and let's make your impact-driven life a reality. Lost again, looking right through. It's intercepted. Picked up by Alex Molden. Welcome to the Shark Effect podcast. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm an NFL veteran of eight years, and now... I'm an author, leadership and personal development coach, and international speaker. In this podcast, you will learn strategies to get unstuck in life and find your influence. You will hear inspirational and value-packed stories from former and current elite-level athletes, successful entrepreneurs, and experts in the field of personal development. My mission is to help former elite-level athletes find their identity and utilize their influence to create a life of impact. So my next guest, Jeffrey, man, I really appreciate you being a guest on the Shark Effect. You know, I've known you for a couple of years now, but man, can you tell my listeners just a little bit more about you? Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. As you said, my name's Jeffrey Jordan, oldest son of Michael Jordan. You know, I have three siblings, younger brother, younger sister. I was born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. Went to school at University of Illinois and also went to transfer went to University of Central Florida out in Orlando. And yeah, just that's a little bit about me. My mom's from Chicago. My dad's from North Carolina. You know, we just happened to build a home base in Chicago. And 
but we've all kind of since, you know, spread out. Everybody's all over the map now. So it's been a great journey so far. That's cool, man. Well, I mean, I can't glance over this, man. You <laughs> being the son of not just a professional athlete, but like an icon that's recognized all over the planet. I mean, I have played professional football, right? And I have a son that, oh, I have five sons and three daughters, but <laughs> but <laughs> that's a whole nother episode. But, <laughs> yeah, <it is. laughs> but when it gets down to it, you know, like I have a son who's also playing, you know, in the NFL and I have another one who's entering to eighth grade. And so there's a lot of things that come along with that. So I can't even imagine like some of the maybe expectations that might come along with having a last name such as yours. But I want to know, man, tell me a little bit about your childhood, man, and how you grew up. Like what other sports did you play? You play any other sports? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I played a ton of sports growing up. My childhood, I think, you know, we went to a small school, K through eighth. I think it had 200 students. So kindergarten through eighth grade, like I was in classes of 28 to 30 people, right? 30 students which I actually loved, you know, most grades were actually a year ahead. And, you know, I consider that my prime time academically because <laughs> I was totally focused on that. Basketball was kind of on the back burner. But yeah, I started playing. I played hockey. I played baseball. I played basketball. I played football. I was goalie in soccer, probably somewhere in between that first to third grade range. And then I started to hone in a little bit more on basketball and football, probably when I turned about, you know, 11, 12 years old. So, yeah, that was it. I mean, and for me and, you know, I don't want to speak for my siblings, but I think we all kind of are aligned at this point in our adulthood. It seemed relatively normal to us who our dad was, right? Like, you know, just having him, he was around, he would drop us off to practice, you know, he would pick us up from school. So for us, you know, very early on, it was hard to fathom what he meant to the rest of the world. But it became pretty evident, obviously, as we got older. And we just learned how to deal with it. We learned a ton. My mom was very instrumental in that as well, because she was obviously dealing with it herself. So it felt relatively normal, but it was definitely a little extraordinary as well. I bet, man. So I look at it and, you know, I go to like this past weekend, like, our youngest, our nine-year-old, we're at the baseball game. Now you're at the baseball game and the parents, and, and it's been a lot, it's been many of years since I laced them up, right? I retired back in 2004, but I go to the games and I watch, you know, my kid and he does all this thing. I can't, I'm thinking like, <laughs> what if Michael Jordan was at, <laughs> was at the baseball game? And it's like the level of distraction <laughs> Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, that's the interesting part. It was like, I guess he was never one to give like, or critique at an early age. His biggest thing was, you know, I want you guys to have fun. Like love of the game comes first. So outside of that, you guys got to have fun. But everybody else, like the parents, oh my gosh. The, you know, the coaches, everybody's looking in the stands and like trying to make way. And it was just, it did become a spectacle. I mean, every single time he came out, but, but I feel like he was, I mean, he was great throughout that process. Just, you know, kind of sitting back and letting us figure out like, what do we want to do? Mm, I love that. What's one, like whether you was in 
youth sports or high school or even college sports. Give me a story of like <laughs> when Pop stepped in. Oh man, stepped in a gym or uh, in the stands. Yeah, so I think he came to a lot of our high school games when me and Marcus were playing on the same team. There really wasn't anything big in high school. I just remember after most games, he was telling me I didn't shoot enough. (laughs) I didn't take enough shots. I wasn't aggressive enough, right? And that was the gist of it. It never really went any deeper than that. I do remember we played against Duke. I think it was our first regular season game. I was at the University of Illinois playing in in the Maui tournament. Okay, yep. And we played Duke and... I mean, they had a strong team. I want to say they were like sixth in the country. They had Gerald Henderson and, you know, a whole bunch of guys that ended up going pro. I think my first shot in that game was an air ball and he was in the stands and I was just, I looked over at him and he didn't say anywhere. He didn't say anything. Like he didn't give me any disapproving look. He was just, you know, keep going. I love that. Just just keep going. Keep shooting. Hey, I remember Kobe Bryant, like his first three shots in the NBA, we're all <laughs> air balls. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. That's cool. So that's probably what I remember the most from, you know, the games he came to. Got you. So let me ask you, man, what are some core things that you learned from Pops outside of sports? Yeah, I think a lot of the lessons he taught me were actually applicable on the court and off the court, right? Yeah. He was big on finishing what you start and, you know, never letting expectation hold you down, right? You set your own expectations. He also used to say a lot, you know, take all the no's off the table. When you're trying to communicate something or get an idea across to someone for the first time and maybe they're not used to it, think of every reason they could say no, possibly. They could say, you know, no, I shouldn't play you. If you can take or eradicate all of those no's, then you're going to put yourself in a position of success. So that was one of the big ones that I really took to heart for basketball and for work. Originally, basketball, it's like, you know, I didn't know why I wasn't playing at certain points in my career. Mm -hmm. And that was the advice. It's like, just do everything you possibly can, be the best you possibly can be so that you eliminate all the the opportunities for them to not let you participate or be in the game, et cetera. So that definitely translated to my career off the court as well. Man, I love that. I love that. Taking the nose. So I'm guessing like a lot of it was just effort. Yeah, it was effort. It's effort. You know, it's also, you know, how you get into that relationship between player and coach and teammate. And like, that was all really new for me. Just trying to understand how am I supposed to interact? I don't know how I'm being perceived from a group of my peers, but none of that matters, right? Like, so those are the thoughts that were going through my head. And all I had to do was, Go out there, do the best you possibly could do, do your job and keep it moving, keep going, keep progressing. So, yeah, it was definitely more mental than anything. Gotcha. So I'm going to flip it. I want to ask you, man. So what were some of the core things your mom taught you that helps you in sports? My mom was tough, right? She came from the south side of Chicago. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. She's the mom that says, you know, somebody hits you, you hit them back. Obviously, I don't condone violence whatsoever, but that was the type of mentality she had. Compared to my dad, they were neck and neck. Like She was just as competitive, strong. I think the best words of wisdom I got from my mom, there's so many. She was big on like just 
not paying the expectations part, not paying attention to the expectations, right? Like those expectations aren't going to serve you. Do what you need to do to serve yourself, your family, your closest loved ones, because they're going to say whatever they want to say, right? So she was instrumental in me kind of building that thicker skin to the point where I brush off, you know, scrutiny or public criticism. That would be tough because I don't know how it was at your school or, you know, when you travel, did you play travel ball or whatnot? But man, mm-hmm. high school kids yeah. <laughs> in the stands, man, they can be <laughs> mean as hell. They can be ruthless rattlesnakes. Like, yeah. And I'm in Portland, Oregon. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I've been right. in the stands, especially with football is not as, you know, it doesn't happen a whole bunch because the distance from the stands to the field. But man, in a basketball arena, you can hear them, man. They start talking about your mama, your girlfriend, your ex-girlfriend. For sure. For sure. I definitely got a lot of the who's your daddy chance at high school. That was a big. <laughs> Everywhere I went, they start chanting, who's your daddy? I'm like, <laughs> I started embracing it. I was like, there hey, you I'll go. take it. Love you the know hate. I mean? Like Kobe, love exactly. the hate. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Oh, that is hilarious, man. Oh. They're ruthless. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. Kids, man, they are ruthless. Explain to me, man, how do you navigate relationships? Like, when people find out before they even know who you are or your last name, but how do you navigate that? When And once they find out your last name and who you're related to, do you see or have you seen in the past, like, things change or does it treat you a certain way because they find out who you are and the platform that comes with that. Like, how do you navigate that? It's interesting. I mean, I think it comes with experience and meeting more and more people, right? Getting out of your comfort zone, people that you don't know or not family members, like just getting out there and mingling and experiencing different behaviors. But for me, how I approached it was I wasn't telling anybody who I was. <laughs> like, I didn't even tell my wife who I was. Oh, you know, I was right? Jeff. Yeah, I didn't say anything. I was just like, you know, I'm Jeff. Nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. We dated for probably a couple of weeks. And then she checked my Instagram one day and she was like, are you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> did you, like, are you serious? Like, yeah. But yeah, that's just how I always gone about it that way. Like, I feel like you get a lot or you get an understanding of who a person really is if they don't know who you are off the bat, right? Because there's a lot of, you know, people change, you know, people, you know, edit their approach, if you will, when they know certain things about you, for sure. Man, I think that, you know, somebody who there's certain fame that's, are, that's placed on you, right, that you, you didn't choose it. But because of what your mom or your dad has done, it elevates you. And then, like, it's really important, I think, man, to have a really good sense of who you are. It's bad enough or it's hard enough to where these elite level athletes, myself, you know, I went through this, man, because I thought that this game was who I was. And then when I stepped away, I didn't know who I was. I think you really have to have a strong sense of like who you are, what your values are, what's important to you. Because like you said, you listen to the outside world, man, you start to believe things about yourself and the expectations that come along with it. Right. That are not even close to true. You know what I mean? And that's something, I mean, you said, I remember at the end of my high school career, I was upset I wasn't getting recruited like I felt like I should have. But then when I left my career, you know, after UCF, leaving the team, 
again, it's just like, okay, what now? And, you know, I'm thankful for my parents because I did have that strong foundation, at least coming into college and then, you know, prepare me for everything afterwards, for sure. Yeah, I love that, man. It's like right now, you know, with the kids that we have, and you know, we have some athletes in the house and it's never about how many points did you score, how many touchdowns you get, how many interceptions, man. How do you treat somebody today? You know what I'm saying? Like, it can't be about that because Absolutely. I went down that road and I never want my kids to just be wrapped up into this sport or whatever it is, right? It can happen to, you know, being at a job for so long, having lots of success and it becomes who you are. Absolutely. Well, it's wild too. They have to deal with different stresses that my generation didn't even have to deal with, right? Like Instagram wasn't around. Yeah. Facebook, where maybe MySpace, you know? Yeah. But, you know, there wasn't that type of temptation or that type of distraction or that type of scrutiny wasn't a part of even what I experienced. So I can only imagine what they, on the other side of that, what they're going through on a day-to-day basis with the tools they have now. Yeah, it's crazy, man. This whole, you know, with social media. And I just try to keep my kids grounded, man. Don't listen to the outside noise. If you're anything like me and you take your protein powders or protein supplements, and you've been doing it for years, if not decades, I think it's very important to understand that because of some of the artificial sweeteners that are in it, it can cause havoc on your gut health. A healthy and robust internal microbiome is so important for great brain health because most of our neurotransmitters are produced in the gut. And once I found this out, everything changed for me. So I'm coming to you today because Nudora, I believe, is the answer. Nudora Probiotic is a natural solution that can help replenish the beneficial bacteria in your gut. It can help with weight loss, reducing pain and inflammation, help improve sleep, help with digestion, reduce belly fat, and increases energy. I think this this is the secret weapon. So go to Nudora.com and make sure... You use Shark Effect 25 to get 25% off your next order. So we had met a couple of years ago when I was doing some consulting for Brand Jordan. And one of our good friends, her name is Belle Castle, and she had told me about you. And she told me about a conversation that Pops had with her. He said, you keep your foot on his neck. You don't let him get away with nothing. Don't you treat him. You treat him just like, don't even treat him as good as you do everybody else. You treat him like, (laughs) he's the worst. He's the low man on the totem pole. She told me that story and I was cracking up, man. She never made me feel like I was, you know, anything less than, right? She was still Belle and holding you accountable. Oh, yeah. Holding me accountable, putting me in touch with people that were going to hold me accountable at the brand as well. Like, you know, she really set up that initial structure for me so that, you know, I had the next eight years really to have a foundation of people that were going to instill that for sure. I was about to say, man, I think that when you have somebody can make it more difficult for you. Now, of course, you don't want it. But when you go through stuff and things are handed to you, you don't really respect it. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So when you got to work for it, especially from the ground level, learning the ins and outs of things, you have a better understanding for it. You got to go through struggle, you know? Yeah. So I was lucky to have those types of leaders, right? 
Howard White, VP of Jordan Brand. He was the person that I called to actually try to get into the brand. My head intern oh, some years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm jumping too far. <laughs> so you had okay. to call the VP of Jordan yeah. and ask to get, was it intern or was it a job or? Whatever he would give me. I was in Charlotte interning at the time with the Hornets. Okay. You know, I had some great, some really inspiring conversations with my dad's brothers, my uncles. Okay. Right. And this is around that time where, as you said earlier, you know, after a couple of years, you leave the sport that you tied yourself to. You're trying to figure out who am I? Right. And so I had some great time out in Charlotte. I spent probably about six months out there. And then like getting towards the end of those six months, I was like, I think I'm ready to go to Portland. And I called H and H was like, okay, well, you know, let me see how we can put a program or something for you together, et cetera. And he gave me Bell Castle's information to contact her or she reached out to me or whatever. But in throughout that time, throughout my time at Nike, H has been, I grew up with him. He's like an uncle to me. He is almost a reflection of what my dad would want, right? Like exactly what she's not gonna be take it easy on me. He's not gonna he's gonna be harder than most because that's how you're going to be perceived. And so that's kind of a little bit behind, you know, how I got to Nike and the relationships. I had some relationships before even getting there as well. So what did you learn most when you was at the Jordan brand? I'll let you answer that first. But what did you learn most when you was at the Jordan brand? Being at the brand was a very much a social exercise for me, right? How do you deal with other people in a non-basketball, non-school environment, right? Like my first full-time, full-time job, it was a lot of just trying to understand the social aspects. You know, how do you interact with the boss? How do you interact with people that just entered the brand or people that don't have as much experience as you? So there was just a myriad of ways that I was challenged socially, which I'm very, very thankful for because really that played a huge role in preparing me for what's to come, you know, in Nike and out of Nike. You know, you couldn't get from sports, you know. I got you. So what's something that you wish you would have learned while you was there? And I know you was in a couple of different roles, right? Because you kind of kind of moved around, whether it was brand marketing, sports marketing product. What is something that you wish you would have learned? For sure. And just some context there. So when I did call H. White, he actually put me into, it doesn't exist anymore. I think it just banned it a couple of years after that. But the marketing development program at night, the MVP program. And that allowed me to rotate every eight to 10 months to different areas for rotations. And then the goal of that being you land into what your full-time career is going to be at Nike. And so I was lucky. I was extremely lucky before, you know, they scrapped the program to be a part of that program because I got to meet so many people across campus and it was awesome. But for me, it was also, you know, I think it was, I guess I wish I learned or I wish I knew looking back in hindsight really how powerful my presence was, right? Just me being there, I didn't realize just me being there was so impactful for the employees, for, you know, bosses, for myself. And so I think that's something I wish I, not necessarily that I need to learn it, but I was more aware of. More aware of, gotcha. While I was there. Now that's good. And so the things that you learned while you was at the Jordan brand, like what are you doing now? Have you created anything in terms of like 
you know, a brand or yeah. What you doing now? Yeah. So digital innovation was kind of where I left off or kind of got my launching point from Jordan brand. And at that time, it meant like researching, you know, esports and some of these new technological advances and presenting them to the C-suite executives. Like, why would we want to do this as Jordan brand? Which really played in well because I also started investing at a young age. So, you know, long story short, once we started to get into obviously the pandemic hit, and once I started this, I was eight, nine years in, I started to get that itch, I guess is the best way to explain it. Yeah. That itch, like, I'm either going to be here for the next 15 years or I can make a shift and see what else is out there. And I had to make a shift and luckily kept in contact with a lot of friends, a lot of good people from Nike, linked up with a few of them and created an application connecting athletes to fans and their fan bases and trying to explore ways to monetize those fan bases as well. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. So that's been great. And, you know, we raised $10 million from Thrive Capital back in April or May of 2021. It's been great. I think it's been another learning experience as being not necessarily being viewed as a leader, but actually being at the top of the org chart. And how do you interact with employees and teammates in a totally different manner? So it's even more of the social game that I was talking about earlier. But yeah, that's pretty much what I've been focused on. I've also been investing. My brother, my sister, and I have been trying to invest for our new family office, basically the next generation of what Jordan's going to be. And so that's been a lot of fun. It's been great. Just kind of reacclimating myself to my siblings because, as you know, like once you leave the house, Everybody's not having the same experience that they have when they're in the house together, right? We were hanging out together every day. And then one goes to college, the other goes to college, et cetera. And so that's been a great experience. But investing, investing is a big thing for me, as well as hopefully in the near future, charity work, just giving back to the community and doing a little bit more on that front as well. Yeah, I love that. So what's important to you now, man? This is a, what's important to you now personally and professionally? Yeah. They're probably pretty similar. Honestly, I think it's number one, surrounding myself with people, with quality people, leaders, people that are aspiring day in and day out. I just want to be around good, genuine, hardworking people because that's really what work should be, right? Like you want to be around your peers. You want to have that camaraderie, no different from, you know, in the locker room. You want to be around people that are helping you get better and certain types of ways. So that's extremely important to me right now. For me, it's a lot of, I'm big in philosophy. So I've studied a lot in terms of stoicism and, you know, how to live better on a day-to-day basis in the moment, be in the moment, you know, how to act with virtues, right? Have some codes. And that's something that I've been, you know, studying since like six, seven years ago when I first started. And yeah, it's based around four virtues, temperance, wisdom, judgment and a missing one is going to hit me later but basically just trying to understand what that means to the philosophy and how that applies to -to day-to-day life has been super super gratifying honestly and rewarding yeah that's good man not getting too high not getting too low when certain things you know come your way you know because a lot of us man we i mean i see it i look through things through a sport lens and it just helps me understand things better And so I see it like when different folks like in sports, man, they go bananas 
when things don't go their way or if they're having a ton of success, you know, they start to forget some of the things that got them there and then it burns them later. Absolutely. And I think that comes from also, that's a great point and reminding me, I think a lot of it too is just the basics, right? Like for me, there was a long time or a stretch of time where I hadn't touched a basketball, right? It's not normal. It's not natural for me not to have a basketball somewhere in the vicinity or some type of sport or athletic activity. And when you lose track of that, you lose track of, like you said, who you are, it just becomes harder to keep up with the day in and day out. So that's definitely a great point. Like those smaller, you know, the basics, the essentials, like how did you get here? You know, for me, that's basketball. That's working out in the gym. That's talking to my brother and my sister, talking to my family. Those things are super, super important. Yeah, for sure. So what you got going on with Active? I already have my guy, our guy, Tim, Tim Gobey on. I'm excited about what you guys got going on with Active. And yeah, and I know you was an investor and whatnot. Yeah, so I'm super excited about Active. Yeah, I was early investor. You know, I know Tim, me and Tim go back to the Jordan days when he was in Jordan Apparel. And I think I was on my second rotation in sports marketing at the time at Jordan Brand. And man, we just, I mean, like that. We hit it off and we stayed in touch and continued to communicate like literally on a day in, day out basis. And so it just built from there. And I think, you know, when he came to me with the Active idea, I was ecstatic. One, I knew he could do it because of his experience and, you know, everything he's already brought to the table and everything we experienced, obviously working with him in Jordan training and training across the board. And two, I just, I root for people to do big things, you know, on their own to branch out, to go out and do certain things. Nobody does it alone, of course, but I root for that tremendously, like just seeing other people do their thing outside of, you know, their comfort zone. Yeah, love that. But Active, Active definitely falls in that category, I feel like, as a total eco-friendly women's line that ultimately feels unbelievable. My wife hasn't taken it off. Yeah, she's been wearing it for about, about three months. Same. Yeah, my daughter, man. My daughter, <laughs> she loves it. You know, she's into the active, you know, working right. out and whatnot. That's right. So she loves it, man. Well, cool, man. Well, shoot. Hey, can you let my listeners know, man, how they can get in touch with you or at least follow your journey and what you got going on? Yep. So I'm Air Jordan 13 across all socials. H-E-I-R Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N-1-3 at Gmail is my email. So feel free to reach out. Like you guys, I feel like I'm in a new transition for myself as well, trying to figure out what the next few investments and possibilities are for myself and my family. But yeah, reach out to me on social, email, whatever, and we'll go from there. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for Higher Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is... An in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking tra- to transition. What, whether you was an athlete, 
or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever, if you're looking to transition into something different, this book can help you. I break it down. I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making, that can help you with influencing others. And how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter. Developing your own procedures, creating relationship roadmaps, using adversity to your advantage, right? Because we all go through tough times, but how do you flip it? How do you use it to power you, okay? And then developing your own standards. So these are things that can help anybody, not just not just athletes. Now, there's some stories in there, you know, that covers topics that that resonate with athletes. But I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. OK, so make sure check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.